You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today I'm going to explain the difference between ICF and NBHWC credentialing. And this is relevant for you if you're a qualified coach and you're wondering, well, how do I gain professional credibility and endorsement? You might have been looking at ICF or NBHWC accreditation, but you're not sure which way to go. So by the end of this episode, I'm going to make sure that you're really clear on the difference between the two as, a, as professional associations, what the process is for getting accredited by either of those, and perhaps some clarity on which option is better and a third wildcard option that you might not have considered. So if you're a qualified coach of any type, then being a member of a respected industry association gives you that professional credibility, it gives you visibility in the world, and it gives you a measure of competence as a coach because you've been assessed by a credentialing body. And there are various professional coaching associations around, but the two most talked about and best known in health and wellness coaching are ICF, the International Coaching Federation, and the NBHWC, which is the National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coaching Association. So let's compare the two. Firstly, well, what's the difference between them? Let's start with the International Coaching Federation, or ICF as it's known. ICF is a global organisation for coaches and coaching. It's been around since 1995 and it has over 50,000 members globally. ICF aims to advance the coaching profession by defining and upholding coaching ethics, standards, core competencies and professional conduct. It also provides independent certification and a worldwide network of trained coaching professionals. So some of this is off their website. Given that ICF has been around a long time and health and wellness coaching is comparatively new to the other styles of coaching, it's fair to say that the ICF membership of 50,000 members is typically life coaches, executive coaches, leadership coaches and similar. And having been around a long time, ICF is well known in Australia and more specifically in corporate settings. And in that sense, if you have at least a PCC, Professional Certified Coach qualification with ICF, it helps you to get in the door as a coach at the executive level. ICF itself promotes itself as being the most globally recognized independent credentialing program for coach practitioners. And that could be true. Now let's compare that with the National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coaches Association. NBHWC is an American-based association that's collaborated with the National Board of Medical Examiners in the US to provide a robust board certification exam that assesses competencies in health and wellness coaches, which includes many of the health metrics that are important for living a healthy life. Like the ICF, NBHWC defines and upholds standards, but in the case of NBHWC, they're focusing on health and wellness coaching standards and core competencies in those areas at an international level. And their aim is to allow the profession to advance in all aspects of healthcare and wellness. 
NBHWC was developed in and endorsed by some of the major players in health and wellness coaching, including some of our longest standing health and wellness coach practitioners, people who basically invented this area. This is a much newer organization having been around since 2016. And in the US, it's linked to the medical and Medicare system, but not yet elsewhere to my knowledge. Having said that, NBHWC is considered by many to be the gold standard of credentialing for health and wellness coaches specifically at an international level. So just wanted to point out that ICF is about the coaching methodology more generally and lots of coaching professions fall under that umbrella, whereas NBHWC is specific to health and wellness coaching and includes curriculum and competencies and standards around, and training around health-specific metrics and wellness-specific metrics. So having not been around as long at the time of this episode, NBHWC is not as well known in Australia as ICF, but it will become better known because more and more training organisations are becoming recognised providers with NBH. NBHWC and they promote this status. So that is going to promote and boost the visibility of that credential and give the public a better understanding of what it is. So aside from advocacy and maintaining standards of training and coaching competencies, both organisations play key roles in advocating for our professions, creating a community for coaches and for approving training courses that qualify coaches to sit their respective exams with either organisation. So if you've done that exam, it means that you have passed a certain level of standard that's been set internationally. So if you were interested in doing that, then you're probably wondering, well, what's the process for being accredited? So I'm going to go through each of those in a bit of detail now, just so that you understand. And there is a lot of information on the website but it can be a bit difficult to navigate and understand all of the moving parts. So I'm going to try and summarise each one for you here. The ICF recently, and that's early 2022, updated their credentialing process. They've got slightly different language that they're using and in terms of the training courses, they're now called level one, two, three, or four. So they've updated their credentialing exam as well and their process for being examined. And so what I'm going to describe just now covers the new process. The ICF accreditation process involves submitting evidence that you've completed certain training courses, and they could be ICF courses or non-ICF courses, and you need to pay an application fee. Then ICF assesses your application and decides whether you're eligible to sit their three-hour multiple choice exam, which they call the coach knowledge assessment. So I'm going to dive into that portfolio of evidence now because it varies according to the level of qualification you're pursuing and the type of training courses that you've done. But regardless of the levels, there are some common ground between all of them. All levels require you to submit certain information. Firstly, you need proof as in completion certificates for ICF approved courses with a certain number of live real-time hours where you're face-to-face -face with a teacher or on a Zoom webinar with a teacher. 
You have to have the live hours around core coaching competencies as per their list of competencies. If you haven't done an ICF approved training course, you can still apply, but you need to do something else, which is called a portfolio application, which I'll describe a bit later. So firstly, there's that evidence that you've done a certain number of hours of live training around core competencies with ICF or other courses. The second thing you need is a coaching log that has a certain number of hours of coaching completed. And that coaching has to have occurred after you finished your training courses, not before. So I'll talk about the differences in the different levels in a moment. Obviously, the, the higher level of certification you're going for, the more number of hours of coaching you need to have recorded in your log. But at least 75% of the hours must be paid where you have a paying client. And at least 25% of the hours must have been completed in the 18 months prior to your application. So if you finished your training course uh, five years ago and you're applying for ICF now, at least 25% of the hours you did with clients have to have been in the last 18 months and the rest can be within the last five years. Hopefully that makes sense. So they're looking for recency of those coaching sessions, not coaching sessions you did five years ago. They want to make sure at least 25% of the hours were very recent. So that's the second thing is the coaching log with hours listed. And they do actually have a template on their website, which is really handy for the coaching log. You also need to have completed at least 10 hours of mentoring with an approved ICF mentor. So once again, this is a paid service like doing a training course. It's not somebody who has mentored you as part of a training course. It's they have specifically mentored you for the purpose of this accreditation and they are at a certain ICF level themselves. You also need to submit one recording of a coaching session with a transcript. That's for the PCC and MCC level applications, not for the lower ACC level. So that's a slight change that you used to have to submit um, two, piece, two recordings for a PCC, but they've now reduced that. And the recording needs to be around 30 minutes long and demonstrate that you've met the ICF core competencies. Just note that this is a different coaching session structure to what we do in health and wellness coaching. So you'd need to be familiar with the ICF session structure to submit this session. And as I said just a minute ago, the recording is only required for the higher level applications with ICF, which is the professional certified coach or the master certified coach. And generally, as you go up the levels of qualification, you need more hours of everything before you can be eligible to sit the exam. So here are the three levels. The first level, the bottom level, is the Associate Certified Coach or ACC. And your evidence for training and coaching log is 60 hours of coach-specific education, which means it's not business, it's not lifestyle, it's nothing like that. It has to be around the core coaching competencies. And you need evidence of 100 hours of client coaching experience in your coaching log. And once again, remembering that 75% of those hours have to be paid and 25% must have been at least in the last 18 months. The next level up is professional certified coach or PCC. 
And for this one, you need to show evidence of 125 hours of coach-specific education and 500 hours of client coaching experience in your log. Also remembering with these hours of training, 60 in the ACC or 125 in the PCC, there is a portion of it that has to be live and a fairly big portion have to be live hours where you've sat webinars or been in a face-to-face. The highest level is Master Certified Coach or MCC and you need to show evidence of completing 200 hours of coach-specific education and 2,500 hours of client coaching sessions. That's a lot. So generally most people will be applying for ACC and for that one you don't need to submit a recording, just your live hours and your coaching qualification evidence. Notice that if you, or note that if you haven't completed an ICF approved course, and the course, you'll know that because they have a little badge on it and they say this is recognised by ICF for a certain number of points, then you'll need to do something that's called the portfolio pathway. And whether that's going for ACC, PCC or MCC, it's a bit of a longer process where you cobble together the specific details of all of the coach training courses you've done, which could include continuing education courses and the number of hours related to each core competency. So for example, I completed my PCC application earlier this year and I had done one ICF approved course, but I had to make up the remaining, I, I think that was 30 hours of live training and I had to make up hundred to, up to 125 hours of coach specific training. So I needed another 95 hours. So I provided evidence of four or five other courses that I'd completed and for each one I made a table of the curriculum, the number of hours spent on each of the 11 core competencies as it was at the time. Now there's eight with ICF and all of the learning outcomes. So it was a big job. It took me a couple of months to pull all of that together and to meticulously list what I'd done in terms of each of the training courses and number of hours around each competency. But I got through and my application was accepted. So regardless of whether you've sat an ICF approved course to get your hours or you're doing the portfolio process, once your application's accepted, you get notified and they invite you to sit the exam. And that's the last piece. You've submitted your recording if necessary, you've handed in your log, it's all done online on their platform. And then you can sit the exam from your home computer. You have about three hours, I think, and you're going to score somewhere between 200 and 600 points and a passing score is 460 or more. So I'd recommend about four weeks of study for this exam or more. And I'm saying that because if you've had your 10 mentoring sessions and you've been coaching private clients, you should be adequately prepared. There are no health metrics to learn or study and no health specific training in this exam. You can sit the exam and do the entire application via the ICF website on a secure portal. So the process is actually convenient and fairly simple and noting that there's no health metric assessment or anything in that in that avenue. Now let's look at NBHWC's accreditation process. There's a lot in common with ICF and a few differences. 
Like the ICF, you're required to submit a portfolio of evidence or a, a pile of different things that you've done along with an application fee. And then the NBHWC will assess your application and decide if you're eligible to sit their four and a half hour multiple choice exam. Now you have to pay an additional fee to set that exam. So your application fee is paid first. And if you pass, then you pay another fee for the exam, which I think is around 400 US. You'd have to check me on that. The NBHWC has a calendar that shows exam application periods each year. So they have three intakes per year at the time of this episode being published. And that's a spring, summer and autumn intake, and but based in the US, so they call that spring, summer and fall. Once you have applied within that window, then you need to submit all of your evidence. And then once accepted, that means you then book in and sit your exam and pay the fee. So you have to apply within one of those three windows, which is a little different from ICF. So what do you have to submit in order to be approved? Well, firstly, like ICF, you have to say, well, I've definitely completed an NBHWC approved course of a certain number of hours, and they require a certain number of live or real time hours. And an example of a course that would be approved is Wellness Coaching Australia's Professional Certificate course, although there are others. So that means you have done a requisite number of hours. You also need to provide a coaching log showing that you've completed 50 hours of health and wellness coaching sessions with clients. So they have some slight differences in what they require of those sessions from ICF. The health and wellness coaching sessions need to be at least 20 minutes long. They have to be at least 75% of the session is coaching and not education. So if you are doing a, a blended session as a nutritionist or an um, exercise physiologist, the majority of the session would have to be coaching and not any sort of education or instruction. You also can't do those sessions with friends, family, or classmates. They have to be with people that are outside of those categories. And all of the sessions have to be, have been completed after completing your recognized training course. You also need to submit evidence that you have a health-related bachelor's degree, or if you don't have that, you need to provide evidence that you've completed at least 4,000 hours of work experience in any field. So what that means is if you've spent 4,000 hours working as a travel agent or 4,000 hours working in IT or as a project manager, that would qualify you to sit the exam uh, as long as you get all those other things right. So without that health degree, they want to know that you've actually worked in a job with, with people pretty much. They also have a great pile of resources on their website, including a sample coaching log, and there's a link to a study exam that you can practice with and lots of other information. If your application's accepted, you get notified to sit the exam, and instead of being able to do it at home, you'll need to find a secure test centre location. So the difference there is that with ICF, they have a secure online portal NBHWC requires you to go to a testing facility. Now, when I set my, set my NBHWC exam in 2018, 
I had to go either to Sydney or Melbourne and they were the two test centres available in Australia. Since then, I believe more test centres have become available and there are more locations available. You have to book that in with a test centre and it has to be within the intake window that NBHWC has specified. And if there aren't a lot enough seats, if you don't book in early enough, you won't get a spot. So you need to get in early to make sure you get a place at that test centre because they only have a limited capacity. Also, when you go to the test centre, you will probably need to provide your driver's licence and another form of ID. You'll have to roll up your sleeves, turn out your pockets and prove that you don't have any writing on your arms or notes or anything. You'll have to leave your possessions in a locker and you'll be observed by people through a screen and with cameras while you're sitting your multi-choice exam. So it's pretty rigorous with the screening. For this one, I'd recommend about 12 weeks of study, which is around two to three hours over with two to three hours a week, sorry, covering the core competencies and particularly learning the American medical metrics, because there is a section in the exam where they ask you or they test your knowledge of the different health and medical metrics, for example, the physical activity guidelines for the US, um, blood pressure and blood sugar guidelines for the US, all of those are things you'll need to know. So a couple of hours a week over 12 weeks will get you up to speed with the specifics and they do give you a test exam with lots of recommended reading. Once your exam's complete, you get a score around eight weeks after the closing of the testing windows. And I think just talking about both of them now in terms of the exam, what's it like? Well, in both cases, it's a multiple choice exam and you get you have to answer questions about specific situations. Apart from the medical metrics, which is slightly different for the NBHWC, um, they will ask you to apply your knowledge. So while studying is helpful, it's actually your work with clients that's being assessed. And that's why the coaching log and having a certain number of hours is important because you will have had the experience of coaching to be able to answer the questions about the application of it. So for example, in NBHWC, you might be asked, what would you do if Gary came to you in his 10th session and was lacking motivation to continue? So you, and that would give you four options in the multiple choice to answer. So those are the sorts of questions that you'd need to know. What do I do with someone in their 10th session who's lacking motivation or someone comes in and they're upset, which of the skills would I be using immediately? Plus, there's also those US health and medical metrics. In the ICF exam, you might be asked about what's the best or worst possible action that might be taken as a coach. And for example, if your client presented with low motivation and reluctance to discuss the specifics of what was going on, or if they came in upset and overwhelmed, or if there was a conflict of interest at work. So in other words, knowing the theory of coaching isn't enough. The exams are testing your knowledge of how to implement the skills you've learned in real life situations and related to the client's stage of change, the size of their obstacle, also your scope of practice and ethical considerations. What would you do in this situation? That's the kind of question you're asked and you pick the best option from those listed. So that's an overview of the two assessment processes. 
you can visit their websites to get more specific detail of what's involved, including a lot of resources to help you understand and prepare for the application process. The websites can be a little bit difficult to navigate, but stick with it, put a few hours aside and you'll be fine. So which option's better for you? Well, it depends on your situation. For some health and wellness coaches, NBHWC is going to be more relevant as it's more specific to health and wellness coaching and is often desirable or essential if you want to work in the US or if you want to work with an international coaching company who employs health and wellness coaches. For example, Noom, although they have an international training program for them and other organisations like BetterUp. And while the general public in Australia don't recognise the NBHWC at this point in time, the credential is becoming better known and it is specific to health and wellness coaching and the assessment considers a more specific model around habit change. But for some health and wellness coaches, ICF is going to be a better fit. And that's probably relevant if you want to break into corporate coaching where ICF is a recognised qualification already and where PCC is the minimum standard. And ICF is more broadly recognised, although the credentialing system doesn't specifically assess knowledge and implementation of health and, well, health and wellbeing habit change or metrics or development of habits. But either way, being credentialed by ICF or NBHWC is good for your credibility, but it might involve a whole new suite of qualification courses, time, energy and cost. It's an expensive process. So what do you do if you're just starting out as a coach? I think it's actually better for you to go and work with clients and get that experience. Get proof that you can help people and build credibility and trust yourself before considering a formal credentialing process. Get some hands-on experience and prove to yourself and others that you can do it and get good at it. Then you'll be really well prepared to sit in the exams. And while you're doing that, there is a wildcard option, a third option, joining HACANSA, Health Coaches Australia and New Zealand Association. HACANSA is not a credentialing body, but it performs many of the same functions as ICF and NBHWC, and it upholds the standards of ethics and education of both of those associations. HACANSA provides community and connection in our local market, as well as advocacy for health and wellness coaching professionals and creating visibility and employment in our field. They don't have a lengthy, costly examination process, just a requirement to show that you've completed an NBHWC recognised training program or an ICF recognised training program plus an appropriate health and or lifestyle education program. You can also apply if you haven't done those courses, that's a different application process and you can check the HACANSA website for that information. Other levels of membership are available and so that other area is if you're an allied health professional or a current or prospective student of a coaching course or you've completed a coaching program with some healthy lifestyle training that meets criteria set by NBHWC. So if you don't have those recognised courses right off the bat, there are other ways to be a member of HACANSA and a different level of membership perhaps. The three levels of membership are professional membership, associate membership and student membership. So professional membership is a shoe-in if you have the required recognised training courses. Associate membership might be likely if you don't, but you have qualifications that are of a similar standard. 
To apply for a CANSA membership, you need evidence of training plus professional indemnity insurance or a cover note and to sign code of conduct and scope of practice documents, pay an online application fee through the, the online form. It's a lot simpler to get in and it gives you a lot of the things that you would get from those credentialing organisations, but without the time, cost and money. So to wrap up, it's clear that you can bolster your professional standing, credibility and visibility by being credentialed by an industry body like ICF or NBHWC or just by being a member of an industry association such as Hakanza, which is going to give you much of the same uh, value and benefit. Whatever path you take, you'll need to complete a certain standard of training by a training provider who teaches and assesses core coaching competencies and in the case of NBHWC or Hercansa, you also need the evidence of health and lifestyle training. For ICF and NBHWC, allow four to 12 weeks of study and time to prepare your evidence. And if you are going through a portfolio pathway, you'll need around the 12 weeks to prepare. But if you're new to the industry and not sure where to start, go out and get some practice with clients and then Join Hakanza and think about your future direction before investing anymore. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.